Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Taiwan TAC, episode 98, the National Christina Foundation, recorded May 7th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions. ElementOP.com. This week, we are joined by Bud Riser. Got to be careful how you say that name. Bud Riser, uh, the CEO of the National Christina Foundation. He's going to come along and tell us a little bit about that uh, in, in a few minutes. But before we do that, uh, I want to make an announcement. And uh, the announcement is that uh, late last night, just because on a whim, I uploaded to the Element OP website a uh, sample chapter of the audiobook that I've been working on. Uh, I've been talking about it for months, saying that it was coming. Uh, I took one of the chapters, uh, the hardware chapter, I'm calling it Chapter 3, The Gear, uh, and I put that up there in PDF form. Of course, it will be an audiobook when the times come, but I thought I'd put that out there to sort of whet your appetite. And uh, if you go to our website, it's on the, the right-hand side. It's above the, uh, the uh, Leave Us a Voicemail uh, widget if you're logged in. If you're not logged in, you don't see it. So this is my way of coercing you to create an account on our website. And maybe while you're there, and since you're logged in anyway, you'll go ahead and jump into the forums. But I encourage you to go there, download that sample chapter, and let me know what you think. Uh, it is still in rough draft form. It's not the final version. But I'm interested in learning about uh, about your reactions to it. I mean, if it's good, I want to know. If it sucks, I want to know. But it's out there, a little teaser chapter of my book, my upcoming book, uh, The Podcasting Handbook, A Newbie's Guide. Awesome. That's great. I can't wait till I can't wait to have the whole thing out there. Uh, I've, I've been a, privy to a little bit more than everybody else, but uh, yeah, it's coming along nicely. Thank you. Did you look at it? Or you didn't even know about it yet, did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. well, no, I didn't know that you had it up on the side. I'll say that much. But you, I don't know if you recall that you had shared out right, the yeah, uh, I knew document yeah. to me. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I've been checking back periodically, and uh, it's it's cool. I don't know how you do it. I mean, with everything else that you have going on. So, people, you better appreciate it. Let me just put it that way. I, I spend my lunch breaks at work writing, and between 2 a.m. and 2.17 a.m. every morning, I have I can write. <laughs> but no, it's, right. uh, it, it's a labor of love. It's something I hope will be helpful and, uh, and will uh, foster this, this, this art form that I love. Yeah, absolutely. Check it out. All right. I, I want to jump in here, Mark. Uh, I'm I'm calling this tips that you're gaining cred. So uh, uh, something really cool happened. This is a few weeks ago now, but uh, a listener, and I guess now sometimes co-host, uh, he's Corey been on a Knapp. couple of shows, yeah, right. Uh, Corey Knapp, uh, which you'll remember, Corey is a, a listener we had as a, a first time as a listener spotlight. And he's a blind tech, so he's profoundly blind, has been since uh, birth, and he he does the same job we do. So uh, pretty amazing guy, just uh, just to talk to him and listen to his story. But literally, Mark, uh, just within a couple of days of having him on the show, something went out on the Google Plus community, and this was from Teresa Wu, and she's the Google Docs community manager, uh, and she put something out there about. Uh, Basically, there you're working on trying to improve the accessibility features of Google Docs. And did anybody out there, uh, you know, know somebody that they could basically work with and, and test things out and whatnot? And uh, so 
I put a blurb out to her and, uh, you know, just told her about our show and that we just, you know, we just had somebody on that fits that bill and he's a tech. So, uh, you know, he can maybe uh, speak the lingo a little bit better than just the average person. And, uh, she responded back and it was basically, yeah, I've heard of you guys and I would love to get in touch with him. And, you know, I don't know. I'm just so used to, you know, people at that level pretty much blowing you off that I thought, Hey, you know, our, our, our name is starting to carry some weight a little bit. So that was kind of, that was kind of fun. Another neat little pat on the back that uh, the listener Jim Beeson let us know about, I, I think you got that email as well, is uh, on the Blueberry Network. I, I have a couple of our shows there. Uh, it's just a, another place for people to get stuff like Stitcher or whatever. Uh, and um, he said in the listing of 800 plus tech podcasts, we're on the uh, the page that goes from 60 to 90. So we're sitting around, you know, 80 or so. So we're in the top 10% of all tech podcasts on Blueberry. And uh, that's cool. We appreciate that. And um, I want to go one step farther and say, uh, please take a, a minute, if you have never done it before, to go to iTunes, load up that piece of crap software just for once, just for us, uh, and uh, give us a rating on iTunes. Because by rating us on iTunes, that is what uh, the iTunes algorithm uses to determine who gets featured. Uh, and, and it's not hard to be featured. Honestly, like 40 or 50 ratings uh, will do it. Uh, and we have hundreds of listeners out there. So we're just asking a fraction of you to go out there and do that. So, uh, no, we're asking all of you <laughs> to go out there and do that. No, not a fraction. We need every one of you. <laughs> you must do it. It hinges on you. Go do it right now. But go to iTunes and uh, uh, load it up and just rate us. Uh, ideally, I would like you to rate us four, five stars, but be honest. If you can't get rate us five stars in good conscience, rate us lower and then come tell me why you couldn't rate it five stars. But uh, we appreciate you doing that for us because that uh, spreads the word. And it's not just for us, but, you know, uh, Bud Riser and his organization, people need to know about him. And uh, and the more people know about us, we'll know about him. Yeah. And, you know, Mark, um, just to kind of put some perspective on that, uh, there are some very large uh, national shows, uh, you know, that, that are, uh, you know, have huge production companies, you know, uh, MSNBC and NBC and uh, all of the CBS and whatnot, uh, that maybe have on the order of uh, 100 ratings or less. And uh, and you can see, uh, it's very easy to see in the iTunes system that uh, there's shows that are rated on the order of maybe 40 or 50 ratings that get kind of boosted up to the to where you get highlighted, um, I would think uh, you know we have several thousand listeners, and uh, yeah, like you said, if we if we could get a portion of those to just go in there and rate us, that's it's going to move us up, and then that's also going to steamroll it, so we'll get uh, uh, that many more listeners, and and then maybe hope hopefully that many more ratings, and then uh, we can start to uh, take over the world, one podcast at a time. That's right. Okay, Sean, we've been going almost 10 minutes now, and you haven't mentioned bacon. I know you're about to explode, so let's go ahead and get yes, that out of the way. Yes. All right. So uh, uh, I closed down the voting. I, I guess the way I'm going to move forward on this is Monday's basically going to be it. So uh, uh, as soon as I get done with the show here, I'm going to go update the bracket. So uh, I'll uh, 
count all of the uh, the votes that came in. Some of them I had already looked at earlier in the day, and there's a few landslides in there, and then there's a few that are really close. So one, if you haven't voted for your favorite bacon products in our Bacon Madness bracket, uh, you need to jump in there because you got about 10, 15 minutes. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and I'm going to do that every week. So uh, also, if you're listening to this, uh, particularly if you're listening to it after we release it, the new bracket, the updated bracket should be up and the updated form so that you can vote for the next round. So uh, I will report on uh, – I'll probably report on the first round's progress uh, Thursday for the uh, periodic table. So uh, there's my – uh, attempt to whore out that show and <laughs> make you go listen to it if if not for anything else for uh, an update on the bacon madness bracket um, and then uh, uh, but tonight we'll start voting for round two so uh, as soon as I get it up it'll be a little bit late uh, this you know this evening it probably won't actually be up uh, for another 30 45 minutes but uh, you can go in and look and see what the round two matchups are and uh, you can start your voting all right, and without further ado, I want to go ahead and bring on uh, Bud Reiser. Uh, I was talking to him a little bit before we got started, a little pre-show stuff. I always call people up a little early to do a sound check, and uh, he's a very dynamic guy. And he was he was just chomping at the bit already, so I don't want to keep him waiting any longer. So uh, let's welcome on Bud Reiser, the CEO of the National Christina Foundation. Uh, Bud, just tell us a little bit about uh, about who you are first, and then we'll get into the Christina Foundation. All right. Well, um, uh, professionally, I have been involved in issues of technology and disability for the last 30 years, and uh, we refer to it as assistive technology. Um, anything from um, communication system for nonverbal to uh, adapted powered wheelchair for people with severe paralysis. That's my academic background. Uh, I'm actually adjunct professor at a few universities in that topic, and that's where I spent most of my career. Um, concurrent to being a board member of the National Christina Foundation, which we'll be talking about tonight. And that was about four years ago that I, I came on board as uh, executive director and then eventually CEO. Um, but my background is primarily in uh, what we call adaptive technology rehabilitation engineering, uh, taking today's computers and modifying them to be used by people with all kinds of disabilities. And um, I've been fortunate to work in some wonderful places with some great people and see the uh, the miracles that can occur when the right technology gets into the hands of people who really need it. That's a good way to put it. It, it really does bring about miraculous results sometimes. A absolutely. I mean, uh, things that 30 years ago we could only dream about and um, with technology moving as quickly as it does. Um, my student will ask me a question, well, is this possible? And my answer might be no, but ask me that same question maybe six months from now at the most a year, and it may be a different answer um, because that's how quickly things change. Very good. So tell us a little bit about your, uh, you know, your current post there at the Christina Foundation. What is the National Christina Foundation? National Christina Foundation, it, it is a nonprofit. It is called a uh, private operating foundation. Uh, we are a 501c3. It was founded nearly 30 years ago with a very simple purpose to capture technology, primarily computers and related technology, when it leaves its first life where it was originally purchased to be used and transition that technology into the hands of nonprofits and schools that need it desperately but can't afford it. And our criteria 
for those nonprofits and schools is that they must use this equipment to focus on the needs of individuals with disabilities, at-risk students, and that's educational jargon for kids that are uh, prone to dropping out of school, and thirdly, uh, just in general, economically disadvantaged population, and to use this equipment to level the playing field. We started doing this about 30 years ago when the first computers we were working with were Apple II Plus computers. Yeah, I was just thinking 30 years ago is when computers started getting into the classroom. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, um, uh, you know, most people did not even have them in their homes yet. And that wasn't until maybe 20 years ago. So, yes, we were, uh, I like to tell people today that uh, we didn't start out this way, but the, the foundation was green when green was only a color. <laughs> It meant nothing thirty. It meant nothing thirty years ago to say, "Well, we're green." Well, people would think, "Well, what that mean? You know, what does it mean?" When I mean, we tell people today we're we're green, they say, "Well, you should be. Everybody needs to be green." Um, but we were doing it because we knew that there was value in that equipment. But we also knew how difficult it was thirty years ago, as well as today, for many many nonprofit organizations, of which there are one point five million nonprofit organization in the United States. And many of these are very small, a mom and pop operation doing wonderful work, but they have no resources. And technology is, is usually something that uh, uh, they are way behind on and uh, in desperate need of. Now, uh, Bud, before we actually get into the nuts and bolts of the National Christina Foundation, mm -hmm. I, I've from the first moment I heard of it, I've wondered about Christina. You know, where did the name come from? Oh, it's a great story. Christina is a young woman um, who uh, about forty-two years of age now, and Christina um, has a very severe cerebral palsy. When she was in um, about the sixth or seventh grade. Uh, she was in a classroom in New York City with uh, a group of other children, same age, all with rather severe and multiple disabilities, um, and a teacher who was trying anything and everything to get the kid to be able to function. Um, this teacher's uh, name is Dr. Yvette Marin. Um, she was looking for some solution, and someone told her, that maybe a computer could work with these kids. Well, she was new to it, but they had no money to buy a computer. Christina's father um, was in a position where he could actually um, purchase a computer for the classroom, and he did. Um, Dr. Marin reported back to him over time what was happening with not only his daughter, Christina, but the other children in the classroom. He came in to see it, was quite impressed by it. About the same time that had happened, uh, he was, uh, through his uh, investment firm on Wall Street, had uh, recently had um, to replace his uh, mainframe computer system, which was only a few years old. And when it was leaving the building, he was offered literally dimes on the dollar for what that system was, even though he knew it was still operable. And at the same time, he had this vision that this technology still has value. Um, but very little financially, but that it has no financial worth, but it has functionality. And here we have kids and adults, perhaps, with disability who need computers, 
there's no way to get him. Now, he wasn't thinking necessarily mainframe computer into a special ed, that sort of thing, but he just saw this as being a possible trend. He was very much of a visionary. This was Christina's father. So between her father and Dr. Marin, over the course of a year or so, they uh, um, did a lot of investigation, including taking a trip from New York to Baltimore, Maryland, where I was, where I was doing work at Johns Hopkins University. Um, and before the Internet, of course, we had the Associated Press and a couple of these stories that um, of these individuals who were uh, benefiting from uh, computer applications at a very, very early part of the game. Uh, hit the Associated Press, went nationwide. Um, they read about them. They called me up and said, we want to come down and see you. They did. Uh, the next thing I knew, I, I was a young man burning the candle at both ends. I was I was uh, working full-time. I was teaching at the university. I was working on my doctorate at Hopkins. And they said, we're, we're creating a foundation, and we want you to be on the board. I had no idea what that meant, but I said, sure, why not? I'm doing everything else. We can do that, too. And... Um, uh, it, it just kept moving and picking up momentum. Um, they were using uh, the knowledge that I had gathered from my labs and, and, and working in my clinics uh, with what Dr. Merritt knew from the classroom, with what uh, Mr. McMahon, the father, knew about business. And it just started uh, snowballing, uh, the possibilities. Uh, and as we were working, uh, the next thing you know, the next generation of computers had already passed. And there was a new one now. We're in the third generation of computers. Um, so it, it was it was the the challenge of uh, keeping up with this change and planting the seed that were planted that long ago that old technology still has value and that's one of the big messages that we have to continue today to really push people don't seem to understand i'm i'll, I'll touch more on that uh, a little while later but that's the history that's how we came about and and uh, it's been just about 30 years since the foundation uh, was created um, it's been a marvelous journey. I've been on the board for 30 years and about four years ago came on actually to run the foundation. Well, you're definitely preaching to the choir in the uh, idea that we can reuse old stuff. I mean, the name of the show is the Taiwan yes. Tech. Yes, it is. Uh, yes. And, and we, we talk about that all the time. We've got uh, computers in my school that are 12 years old and still kicking and they, and they still do the job. So uh, give us a, um, a flash forward. So this was uh, 85, 86 or so when you, when you got off the ground. Uh, what, ha what did your organization do in 2011 in terms of stats? Oh, that was um, uh, that was a, a pivotal year for us. And um, you know, people do ask me this, uh, this question many times. You know, well, how much equipment? How much equipment transfers hand? To a certain extent, we we can track some of that, but um, it, we're not trying to count and do it all ourselves. We we are trying to, uh, um, how the saying go, we, if, if we teach someone, uh, if we give them a fish, they eat for a day. If we teach them to fish, uh, you know, they can feed themselves forever. And that's what we're trying to do is to teach the nonprofit how to access and utilize donated technology. Now, we've set up a system that enables them to do it. And I'll be telling you all about that. It's called the Christina Network, which we uh, actually launched uh, really a few months ago, but uh, we'll say in late 2011. Over over the, the, the lifetime of the foundation, hundreds of thousands of pieces of equipment have passed through our, um, not our hand because we never touch anything, but through our donation management system and have been awarded to others. The, the, the big event that occurred in late, 2011 and it's going on right now is that we have flip-flopped on on how we operate 
And, and that's the exciting part. And, and that's really what I hope we get to touch upon here uh, this evening. Up until uh, late last year, all of our donations were processed through our website at Christina, C-R-I-S-T-I-N-A, there's no H in Christina, dot O-R-G. And on our homepage, there's a, a button to make a donation. When people come to our site, and they come to our site from many different sources. So we can track this information. And interesting enough, the top three of the last three weeks are Dell, uh, Epson, and you'll love the third one, Oprah. Oh, so I had nice. To, I had to go to Oprah's website to find out why. Now, she, she'd had news about us on her show when she had a regular show. She's had us in her magazine many times, and, and, and they promote these kind of concepts. So, uh, so we can track where information is coming from. But, so that's where they come from. They would come to our website, tell us what they had. Then our donation management system would tell us internally who our local partners were, and we'd do a matchup. But now when somebody comes to our website, the first thing they tell us is where they are by either a zip code or a city and state. You will then see within whatever radius you set from a lower five up to, I think, over 100 miles, which of our partners are in your catchment area, who they are, what they do, what their mission statement is, but most importantly, what types of equipment they need. And that information is constantly updated through our, our network. They are responsible for going into their account, keeping their information updated. So let's say you have a laptop to donate, but it's an older laptop. Um, let's just say the Pentium 3. It's a real old laptop, but it works. So, and you live in uh, the Baltimore area. Now, I say that because they have a very simple zip code, 21212. I used right. to live there. Well, okay. So you would put it in and put maybe a 10-mile radius, and I can assure you there'll be at least 20 hits within 10 miles of that of that zip code. Now you can actually say, okay, well, show me who needs um, laptops. It might narrow it down to five. So now you start looking at these programs. Um, and again, you can read. You can see where they are. You can see them on a map. You see how far they are from the zip code. It's all using Google Maps for that, for that service. And then you find one that you like, and you say, well, I know that place. I see it when I drive to work. But I didn't know what they did, but that's right on my way to work. And, and they look, they take Pentium 3 laptops. I want to give my laptop to these people. I like what they do, and I'll feel good about having my laptop used by a local organization. At that point, you simply click on the donate button, fill out a short donation form. This is all being done on our servers. Emails are generated to that partner immediately saying, click here, you just got a donation. And then, then we're putting the donor and the partners together, and we are tracking the whole process up through the issuing of the receipt. So we're allowing the public now to make the decision of whom will receive their equipment. It's a big change for us, the major change in our operation. And, it's, and we did it because it's something that many donors have asked us to do for many years. But also, it, it, it takes that um, burden, if you will, off of us, enables us to uh, uh, hand this responsibility to the partner organizations around the country and that gives us the time that we really desperately need to simply get out there and promote our system and promote the value of reuse and show people how easy it is to find a new home for any piece of, of uh, uh, computer equipment that you might have. 
But I love how passionate you are. Uh, uh, in the, the setup we have here, I'm the only one who can actually see him, but he's just all animated, and and, and it's uh, <laughs> it. I love seeing uh, people who are so passionate, and and I get the sense that you're the kind of guy who who gets up on a Monday morning and says, "Yeah, I get to go to work today," uh, because you <laughs> believe in what you do. Well, I shouldn't tell you I work from my home. Then, I, yeah, I sure. I I, I walk down the hall, um, and uh, but you know, I, I I I am I am fortunate to be able to be in a position um, to do what I do, um, to to use uh, uh, some of my academic and professional knowledge, but it's really more management of resources that I do now, and being familiar enough with. Um, uh, the technology to help us do our job. For example, uh, as of about uh, four weeks ago or so, we uh, we held off on this for a while, but we do now. We have our own Facebook page. It is facebook.com/slash/christina-foundation. You can actually make the donation on that page. We have what's called our our um, nonprofit locator. That's what we call our new donation system. And we're busy getting this nonprofit locator on as many different websites as possible so that um, I call them accidental donation. When somebody goes to, let's say, um, uh, Dell's website, they go there for a million reasons, but usually not where do I get rid of my computer? Now, some there might be a small population that does, but they go to Dell's website to download drivers, uh, check out new purchases, what's the status of my order, whatever. And if they're on there long enough and they move around and they 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 they, they shop around on the site and they find this information about um, recycle and reuse. So they read about, and then we're right on Dell's page. It says, we partner with the National Christina Foundation. What's that all about? Most people don't know what it is, but if they click on it, it takes them right to our site. We get donation every single day, without exception, from people who go to the Dell website. So the more site that we can get our nonprofit locator on, obviously, the more donation that, that will come come through. You say that you're familiar with, I mean, that you're, you're, you support using the technology. Do you know the statistics? Do you know, for example, that over 4 million pieces of technology will go out of service in, in this country this year. 160,000 pieces of equipment every day go out of service. Now, the question is, goes where? Right. Where is that equipment? And if most cases, people are guilty just like I am. I probably have at least two, if not three, computers, laptops, and, and desktop somewhere in my home that um, I could just spend a little bit of time with and donate to one of our local partners. Why don't I do it? Why don't I practice what I preach? Well, occasionally I do. I mean, I will. I will get around to do that. But the point is, people have this technology in their home. We know that. We also know that they probably replaced it with something new. So their mindset is, well, if I have something new. I have an iPad. I don't. Nobody, nobody wants laptops anymore, a desktop, because I have an iPad or a Galaxy or whatever it might be, and that's not true. That computer you're no longer using does have value. So that's the first thing that we have to get people to understand is that the older technology has value. The second thing that we have to persuade them about is how easy it is to find a home for it. We have that tool. We're making that tool available to any organization whether it's Dell or Home Depot, to put on their website. 
Would you like to find a local nonprofit or school in need of used technology? Click here. Search it. Match it. Donate it. As simple as that. So, Bud, but what? If, uh, yeah. What? I have to interrupt because you're never sure. going to stop. I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what if I have a monitor? I don't have a whole system. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I replaced my 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 monitor. I got a new LCD. Do do you deal in in pieces and parts like that, or do you only take full systems or your your partner organizations? Short answer: We deal with anything, any combination. We do, but the individual partners can promote any combination of equipment if they can only take total systems that's what they have in their profile if they can take pieces such as monitors and keyboards separately and so forth they can specify any any uh configuration of what they will take so when you go to search uh, as a donor you you can say show me uh within this uh, 10 mile radius that i'm looking show me those that are taking crt monitors and you will only get those in your in your search result. And so once you make the 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 handoff, it's then between me and the organization to figure out how I'm going to get it to them. The organization, the first thing that happens is uh, they get informed that donation occurred. It is their responsibility to contact the donor, whichever way the donor said, either by email or phone call. And and from that point on, there's you know there's a dialogue that occurs. Many partners are able to travel out to pick up equipment. Uh, some ha- might have restriction. Some donors don't want people coming to their home or their place of business and say, we'll, we'll, we'll drop it off. So that's where we do leave it up between the donor and our partner as to how that will that will happen. Very good. Sean, I'm, I'm hogging all your time. What do you have to say? Yeah, no. Um, well, I'm, I just want to jump in and say, because uh, I did in preparation for the show, I went there and, and checked it out. And, you know, CRT monitors was one of the first things that popped to mind for me because uh, my district has, oh, give or take about uh, four, somewhere between four and 600 uh, CRTs that we just prepped for auction, which uh, we, we might not even be able to sell them. Mm-hmm. Um and I know there's a lot of districts out there like that. So I popped on there and CRTs was the first thing I looked at. And uh, sure enough, uh, just uh, within a, I think I set the radius pretty small. I think it was like 20 miles. But uh, there were, uh, I want to say on the order of a few hundred uh, where, uh, you know, different organizations uh, were accepting CRT monitors. And they, they are very specific. They say they want a certain type of, a computer and they'll even give specs um, or monitors and they'll they'll specify whether they're willing to accept CRTs or whatever um, or if they want whole systems just like Bud said. So uh, it's a great great uh, system. I didn't realize it was that new, Bud, as far as that uh, uh, that kind of search capability. But it's mm-hmm. it's amazing. I can say that much. We we have a yeah, question it, from our chat room. Uh, just to jump great. in there, do you put any specifications on the uh, the recipients of the tech? How do I know that they're not just going to sell my stuff? How do I know that's actually going to be put to use? That's a great question. Um, we have a, a complete application process where uh, it, it's pretty straightforward. The organization has to first prove to us that they are a five hundred one c three by providing us with that uh, uh, federal documentation. If they're a school, we have ways to, to uh, document that quite easily. Then, in the application, they have to prove to us 
the target population of the use of this equipment. It must meet our population uh, criteria, again, that disability, at risk, and economically disadvantaged, and use it as a training tool, not as an administrative tool. That's the second requirement. Once they meet those two requirements, they are provided with uh, an agreement that they have to sign. And that is it's pretty, it's pretty detailed. It's everything from you will use it for what you said you were going to use it for. You will utilize our information system that we share with them when it comes to end of life and it's time for dispersal that they, they will use the uh, dispersal processes that we promote on our website and also that they will not be selling the thing to run the program. Now, there, there's a little bit of leeway with that. There, there's many programs, uh, many of our partners might charge a minimal cost for an entire computer, it could be twenty-five to fifty dollars, perhaps somewhere around there. Uh, they're they're basically covering their operational cost and maybe the licensing of of the software, but they're also assuring that the recipient has a vested interest in this donation. That it's not just something else being dropped off at their house and uh, we might use it, we might not use it. it. It's been proven time and time again that when the recipient has um, a, a personal investment in the process um, that um, they're more likely to follow through with whatever agreement they had in terms of using it for their training, for their employment preparation, or, or, or whatever. Now, can we absolutely 100% assure that um, no product was, was ever sold outside of their condition? No, we can't. But if we've done our homework right, up to the point of proving that they are indeed the nonprofit, they're serving our target population with the kind of program that I think that we that we are dealing with a, a good group of people and, and, and we, we can take them at their word. Now, uh, Bud, you, uh, I think you kind of alluded to this. I, I think it, it's probably safe to assume so, but uh, are these donations tax deductible? And if, if so, do does that deduction come from the partner or does that come through the Christina Foundation? We, we have that entire system built into our software. So it's it, uh, either issued by us or the partner organization can, can do that. It's what the IRS calls a donor acknowledgement letter. Um, it's so-called because it's not a receipt. The IRS states very distinctly that for this kind of equipment, the donor must declare fair market value. Uh, and part of the reason for that is it might be coming from a business, and that business may have depreciated that equipment over a certain number of years to where it actually has no value. And so if we told them, well, it might have certain value, then it's not true. What we provide them is proof that the donation occurred in a PDF document. Here's when it occurred, who gave it, who received it, here's exactly what it was, and the details of the transaction without fair market value. Now, one more thing to add. It, it's, um, you know, you, you hear about a new car that the moment you drive it off the parking lot, it loses, uh, what, 20% uh, uh, of its value. Um, computers are worse than that. Uh, people, especially from maybe to five years ago when people were still paying several thousand dollars for a good computer, they think their computer is still worth several thousand dollars. Well, surprise, <laughs> folks, that's that not the case. And In fact, there is actually a, a, a blue book of, of computer value. And um, I had to be very general here, but the, the average if there is such a thing, five-year-old computer, complete computer, but maybe a, a LCD monitor, keyboard, and mouse that may have been purchased for $1,000 probably had a, a, a blue book value of um, somewhere between $90 and $130. Yeah, $150 would have been my guess. So Okay. 
Yeah, that's on the high end. And uh, people are shocked to hear that, but it is, uh, you know, the commodity that is replaced so readily um, that it's, it does not hold value. Now, if you can prove at the owner of that that it, it, it was worth more because someone offered you more money for it and you have that in writing, then I guess that would help you uh, uh, prove uh, uh, that fair market value. Um, yeah, one of the things but, I've been working yeah. on at the school where I work is uh, uh, getting them to change the budgeting and stop calling computers uh, capital gains and start calling them uh, disposables. Because, you know, the, there's no point in amortizing this thing out tax-wise over 15 years, which is what most schools yeah. tend to do uh, uh, when they're going to be used up and literally used up uh, in yeah. just a few years. So what do you do? Uh, what do you do if somebody comes to you and says, you know, I've got something and nobody wants it? I mean, does that ever happen, or, oh, or sure. I'm too remote, or, or something like that? Or is there an outlet there? Well, uh, on our website, there is a uh, section on reuse slash uh, recycle, and uh, we link, but we have part of it live on our site uh, from the uh, ban dot org, the Basel Action Network that has the E Stewart recycling uh, approval program, and you can find approved recyclers all over the country. Um, there, there's, there are a number of different ways to dispose of equipment that just has no value anymore, but it's, it's impossible for me to summarize them for you because so many of them are specific to the, uh, perhaps even the township of the county where somebody resides. There's no, uh, there's no, there, there's, there are state, in fact, about 18 states have uh, various laws on the book now that have to do with um, the manufacturer's responsibility for end-of-life disposal, but it's not uniform. Uh, across the country, and uh, it it just um, it, it can be somewhat confusing. Uh, there are many communities have these uh, recycling dates where they'll allow you to bring in anything, including computers, CRT monitors, and so forth. But a, a good place to start would be to go to the Christina.org website, go to the section on recycle and reuse, and we have quite a few resources that are, are listed right there. Very good. Yeah. Uh but I'm uh I think we're getting to the end of uh the whole how do you donate process. Uh okay. do you do you provide any uh information or or uh would you like to throw out some uh words of advice for people who donate as far as uh data wiping? I mean, I would imagine that you you advise people to do that, right? All the time and and um it it's uh it should be a very simple process. Uh, there are, are free downloadable uh, uh, programs uh, that are um, approved by the um, uh, Defense Department and uh, can be used to uh, multiple times wipe over the hard drives. They write, wipe over and over again to, uh, to clean off the data. But uh, it's amazing how many people are, are very uh, either concerned slash paranoid about this and will remove the hard drive totally and then make the donation. Sometimes they don't bother to tell us that until after the uh, the, the equipment had changed hands and, and then we find out the hard drive not in it anymore. Um, and it, it, uh, it, it's quite a problem. Uh, we've been very fortunate recently, a uh, very wonderful company, um, Western Digital, uh, synonymous with hard drives, um, being aware of the problem that we have in this regard, uh, has made some sizable donation uh, to some of our uh, regional program uh, in terms of uh, refurbished hard drive that we can now uh, disseminate to our partners who are receiving these laptops and hard to and uh, desktops um, minus the hard drive. It would be just so perfect to uh, use any of the free download to wipe it and, and then and then feel secure about that and then donate it. Uh, it'd be a lot easier. 
Uh, but we have another question from our live sure. chat room. Uh, G. Right. Duncan, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, says basically he's a tech and he'd like to know how he could volunteer some time at some of these places. Do you have, does your website have a uh, part of your database for that? Well, not exactly, but it's very easy to, to, to use the tool we have to your own advantage. Here's how you do it. Again, you would have to go to Christina.org. Click on the Donate Now button. You're not going to make a donation, but that's where you're going to start the process. And when you do that, you are exposed to our tool called the Nonprofit Locator. You're going to be looking at it not and to give, but you're going to be looking at it to see, is there anyone local that I can help? So put in your zip code, put in whatever uh, radius that you're willing to travel, and look at the program to come up. Again, you're not donating. You're learning about local nonprofits and schools, and you might find one that's very close to your home that you had no idea that they had a computer training program. Now you know about it. So now you can find their, their – uh, we have links to their website. When you go for more information, you can find their website. Look at their website. Um, see what kind of program they have. Reach out to them. Contact them and say, by the way, I, I found out about you by your connection with the Christina Foundation. They know who we are. And I'm, I would like to volunteer my time. I think what you're doing is very uh, worthwhile and I have some skills I think you could use. Uh, the same thing happened to us sometime, many times, quite frankly. Um, there, there's a lot of people in, in this country with, with tremendous need. We get emails every single day from someone that will say something like, um, my husband on disability, I just lost my job, our computer has just died. Is there any way you can help me get a computer? Well. Our answer has always been, no, we can't. We, we cannot work with individuals. But now we can say to those people as well, do the, the same thing that I just told your caller to do, your, uh, your listener, I should say, and um, go use our nonprofit locator not to find a place to donate to, but to find a, a local program that may deal with individuals who are in the same circumstances you are. I, I don't know the idiosyncrasies of all of our 900 plus active partners, but it's all in our database. You can go in and see it yourself. So uh, it's, it's kind of a um, secondary or tertiary um, benefit. Not only can donors find places to donate, people who want to volunteer technical support can find an appropriate organization, and people who are in need of help themselves can do the same thing. We didn't plan it that way, but it, it worked beautifully. Uh, now, uh, Bud, a related question in the chat room is uh, there's some of these uh, partners that uh, specifically list uh, – let me see if I can find it here – something about uh, uh, no repair capabilities. So I guess those would be the ones that you'd be wanting to look for because uh, I'm assuming that means they don't really have a tech. They don't have somebody that can work on these systems for them. Yeah, yeah. Our, our partners range from um, very, very small nonprofit I call mom and pops who uh, – can only really take operable computers, I mean, ready to go when it, when they turn it on, operating systems, and just ready to set up because they don't have the expertise to uh, reformat hard drives or install operating systems, what have you. But we also have partners that are basically massive refurbishers who might do two to 3,000 units a year. So both of those could use help. One of them because they have such volume they have to work with. The other because they don't have the knowledge they need. So I, I wouldn't look at just that criteria. I'm glad you saw that because that's really something for the donor to look at. If the donor said, well, it's not working perfectly. They need to be honest about that, especially if they see that the place they want to donate to says, we have no repair capability and you want to donate a computer that 
or the main reason you're donating it because it doesn't work as well as it used to. You need to find an organization that says we have repair capability. Very good. But I promised I'd only keep you a half an hour and we've hit that mark. So wow. I'm going to I'm going to ask what I ask all our guests. If you had uh, one thing that you wanted to make sure our listeners take away from our time here today, what would that be? Promote technology reuse. Talk to your friends about it. Everybody has extra equipment in their homes, in their offices, in their agency. It's every we do because it's somewhere. It, it, it's not being reused, it's not all being recycled, but it's being replaced. We know it's there. Educate these people that it does have value and give them our website so they can find a local organization to make that donation. I think you said it all. I couldn't I couldn't yeah. add anything more to that. So, right. uh, Bud, we'll just say thanks for being with us. Uh, I'm all excited now. You yeah. really charged me up. So uh, uh, we appreciate your time. And uh, anytime you want to come back, you just let us know. Oh, I'd love to. It's been a lot of fun. All right. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you, Bud. All Once again, that was Bud Riser of the National Christina Foundation, the CEO of the organization uh, currently. And uh, like I said, he got me all fired up. I'm, I'm, yeah, I want to go out and do something. I, I love talking to people like that. I mean, you can hear the passion in their voice. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I like the way he kind of put that at the end because, I mean, Mark, right? How often do you hear of just, you know, your friend, your coworker, things like that that are just like, yeah, I bought a new laptop and well, you know, the old one's going to go in a closet or something, you know? I mean, they're just, uh, everybody knows somebody, probably tens of people at least that uh, have things just sitting around the house that, you know, why not? I mean, if you, you know, get out there and it's as easy as giving something away, but uh, there's a lot of a lot of places out there across the country that can use that stuff. Yeah, see, I'm like the shade tree computer, a uh, shade tree mechanic that has, you know, five cars in his backyard. I've got uh, a, a stack of tech over in the corner there. My wife is always complaining she has to dust around. Uh, and I'm always thinking I'll do something with that someday. There's value to that. That's there. I see beauty in that in that uh, junkyard. Uh, but maybe I just need to give that up and let somebody else see beauty in that. Uh, and and this is always the time of the year uh, in schools, of course, where you start seeing administrators ask the question: Does anybody know a good technology recycler? Uh, you know the with with the way the economy has changed. You know the the, the recycler that used to come up from uh, from South Texas doesn't do that anymore. I need somebody new, and so I'm, I'm going to start pointing people at uh, this this website, the National Christina Foundation, and saying if you if you've got something that has any worth at all. Uh, you know, give it away. Uh, and, and unfortunately, uh, the way some uh, things work in schools, you actually can't do that because it was purchased with tech money or, or, or state money, I mean, or, or it was donated. Sometimes you, you literally have to sell it. You can't give it away or you have to recycle it. But, uh, you know, it's, if you can, look, look into it. I like the way you said it. Promote uh, recycling as much as possible. Reusing, not just, not just sending it to be scrapped for, for metal. Yeah, that's uh, that's my district. Like I said, we uh, we've been uh, sort of cycling in new systems, and we're uh, we're moving toward a point of having all flat screens uh, throughout the district. And uh, we at this point have we've got a warehouse, and we have somewhere between four to six hundred CRTs sitting in that warehouse. We've got them prepped for auction. Uh, but realistically, we know that, you know, nobody's going to probably bid on these things. So we're sitting there with all these CRTs going, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, a recycler won't even generally take CRTs unless you're giving them a decent amount of other technology to go with it. Right. 
so that yeah, I looked there and I, I was shocked at how many people, you know, how many of these organizations they don't care. They want a monitor that turns on that shows what you know displays what's on the computer, um, and they're happy to get it. So uh, yeah, I brought that to uh, attention of the powers that be at my district, and they were actually really happy to see that. So we do uh, we do have a process. We do have to uh, list it for auction first, but you know we know that you know if uh, if they don't sell or, or you know some part of them don't sell that we we have another option there. And what I like about it is you're you're making a difference. Your your old stuff can make a difference, uh, and that's the exciting thing. It's not just um, it's not just a business transaction at that point. You're actually changing life. Uh, right. I, I I spoke to a guy uh, years ago. I won't mention. Uh, well, sure, I will. Uh, Crick Software is the the name of the company, and uh, I spoke with the uh, the founder of the company years ago. I need to get them on here now that I think about it. Um, and they're they're a business, but it started with just a guy uh, who was a special ed teacher, and he had a kid who all he could really move was his his left foot. Uh, he couldn't do much else, so he rigged up an old uh, guitar uh, foot switch like you would use to change your effects on your guitar and rig that into the software so that he could click around like three clicks went up and two clicks went down. And now that's, that's a, a big company. But uh, I, I, when Bud was talking about, you know, using anything uh, assistive technology, sometimes something as simple as a button can change somebody's life. So even if you don't think it has any value, uh, it, it may not take much to really uh, be impactful for somebody. Yeah, I agree. And with wrapping that up, uh, Sean, what is our uh, teacher tip for this week? All right. The teacher tip, and Mark, you know this about me. Uh, I'm all about open courseware. Uh, I am, uh, I don't know if I want to say an aspiring programmer. I'm a, I'm a, a shade tree programmer. <laughs> we'll just say that. And uh, uh, so uh, I've already detailed uh, Harvard's open courseware, uh, but I came across another one, and this one I actually like uh, like a little bit better. So I've been uh, I sort of shifted over to the uh, Stanford School of Engineering's open courseware. Uh, I'm currently taking programming methodology CS 106A, uh, completely free. All the course materials are up there. Uh, Mark, I figured you might know about this because it's very old and it has to do with programming uh they so naturally use, when you think of old you think of me i do i do i know you've been doing this a long time uh <laughs> they uh you, they start you off programming for uh, carol the robot carol does okay. that sound familiar k-a-r-e-l i don't know carol no okay well uh and they go into the whole history of carol but uh uh Essentially, it, it was a, a pro, an old programming language. Now they've ported it over to Java. Um, so you actually are programming Carol the robot in, in Java. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a great, you know, kind of beginning introduction to programming, uh, uh, course. And, uh, the instructor is, uh, entertaining more so than the Harvard instructor. Sorry, Harvard. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. And, uh, you know, the syllabus is there, all the class materials, all of the lectures and everything. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, they also have uh, programming abstractions, 
programming paradigms. I think in here they even have uh, programming iPhone applications, and then they've they've got a bunch of other things uh, that are either uh, programming related or engineering related. So uh, check it out. Uh, it's, uh, just Google it. I don't have the the direct link, but uh, if you Google the Stanford School of Engineering's Open Courseware, you're going to find it. Cool. And my tech tip this week uh, is a perfect circle because it comes from Pete Kuykendall, who was here the last time we interviewed somebody uh, with a uh, charity organization, the Denver Tech for All. And uh, Pete popped into the chat room, I think it was last week, and said, anybody ever heard of uh, driver packs? And I said, no, I haven't. And so he pointed me to the website. And now I'm pointing you to the website because this thing is awesome. Driverpacks.net. Basically, some guy set out to put every available driver for Windows on a disk. Now, clearly, it won't fit on one disk, but uh, it's now uh, broken up into packs, hence the name Driver Pack. So you can download the uh, video driver pack, and it is every driver for every hardware manufacturer for every version of Windows from XP to 7. And and you download that. You can put it on your network. They even have a a, a bootable uh, network install so that you can set it up to Pixie boot to this thing, uh, and it will install all your stuff. So you you can get the the network pack. You can get the the audio pack. You can get all that stuff. It's all been compiled. It's all been tested. It's every driver available. Uh, so you know it may be ten gigs of data, but you uh, you could put that, for example, on your image. And and so your machines would come up totally stupid and find every driver they needed. And then the last step in your automated process could be to delete that folder. So you're not taking up 10 gigs anymore. So uh, if you work in a non-homogenous network where you've got all sorts of different things and you're dealing with different drivers, driverpacks.net could save your sanity. Mark, I want to jump back to mine real quick. I was just thinking, you know, as I'm, I'm going over all this, I'm like, this doesn't really sound, this sounds like a programmer's tip, not really so much a teacher tip, right? Uh, but I, I want to jump in there and say, teachers, you all have one of these kids, right? At least that they're so smart and they're maybe taking whatever technology class your school offers and it's just, it's underserving them. Um, and you don't really have anything else to offer up to them. Uh, these these are the kind of things to go to because you know I'll say programming Carol the robot uh, you a smart a smart kid a sharp kid that's into uh, you know is basically a, a young geek um, could start doing that at probably around fifth sixth grade level. That's true. So. Is it is it the logo programming language? Is that what it is? Oh, I don't even remember. Uh, okay. don't, don't go into it. It's just uh, yeah. one one of those early programming languages was Logo. It was designed to teach the concept of of differentiated uh, instructions to uh, a machine. You know, go forward. Right. You had a turtle that you controlled, and I wondered if that might be Carol, but uh, never mind. Yeah, yeah. I'm. Uh, I, I remember him. I remember the instructor mentioning some of the early programming languages, and it is along that line. Uh, at least, but uh, yeah. So anyway, 
And this is the part of the show where I tell you, you can contact us at elementop.com. Hop in the forums over there and uh, be sure to take part in our bacon bracket that Sean mentioned earlier that he's been flogging relentlessly on yes. all the social networks. I'm sick of hearing about bacon. And yes, I just said that. <laughs> I am sick of hearing about bacon. Uh, oh, I don't believe it for a second. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I was sick of eating it. I said I was sick of hearing about it. So uh, elementop.com is where you can find us. You can contact us there uh, and uh, uh Download that copy of my book as well. And so uh, that's it. That's all I'm going to say for contact information. All right. Well, it was another great show. I agree. Thanks, Dave. Uh, no, Bud, for making it <laughs> a great show. And I will simply say this is Mark signing off. And Sean signing off. <laughs>